I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin, the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, episode 11. We have covered all the principles of intuitive eating, so now the real fun begins. If you haven't heard the first 10 episodes, give them a listen. I covered each of the 10 principles of intuitive eating in the first 10 episodes, so I do think they're a great resource, but we talk about so much more on this show. We talk about body image, eating disorder recovery, chronic dieting recovery, health at every size, embracing your natural body, and smashing diet culture, and in doing so, smashing the fucking patriarchy. So let's continue the conversation. Let's continue to grow this community and get the word out there that dieting is not the answer. If you want to connect with me, slide into my DMs. I'm Lubination on Instagram. Or you can email me at ripdiets at gmail.com. I love nothing more than hearing from all of you and getting to hear your stories and what brought you to this coven that I have created. And on that note, I'm going to read an email from a gorgeous and flawless listener. And this email touched me so much. She writes, Hi, Emily. Get ready for some cheesiness. I've been wanting to reach out to you for months, but I don't have Instagram because of having an eating disorder in the past where I had a fitness account, hashtag clean eating, hashtag fit girl, hashtag bye to that lifestyle. It was about three and a half years ago, but I never got Instagram again because of bad memories. I might someday. Anyway, I'm not sure where to start because I'm so grateful to you and to your podcast. I started listening to Hot Mess around Christmas last year. So I had heard you talk about intuitive eating a few times on Hot Mess. And then when you said you were starting RIP diets, I almost sighed with relief. I was so excited for you to be sharing your experience and knowledge of the topic by doing a podcast. I was all in. I've been listening every week and I just want to thank you so much for doing what you're doing, for trying to smash diet culture and just talking about it. It is incredible and the community you're creating in the Facebook group is so lovely. I struggled with anorexia nervosa a couple years back, but the majority of the last 10 years I've been living in a bigger body, but not quite plus size which there is absolutely nothing wrong with, but I wasn't feeling my best or eating intuitively. I was binge eating super frequently, feeling sluggish and not living my best life. Currently, I've been trying to eat intuitively and exercise intuitively as well, and this whole journey of intuitive eating is honestly harder than struggling with an eating disorder. The the lack of control is terrifying. My eating disorder, both when in a small body and a large body and struggling with disordered eating, have been ways of controlling my anxiety. I'm trying to get to the root of my anxiety. With that said, I haven't been so hopeful in a long time. My goal is to fully eat intuitively because although it scares the shit out of me, I believe it's what's best for me. So I'm continuing to step outside my comfort zone and abolish the ridiculous and unrealistic food and exercise rules I once had. I've come a long way just since hearing you talk about it a few months ago. 
I just can't thank you enough. If it weren't for you, I may have never learned about intuitive eating and going down this terrifying but exciting and hopeful journey. Thank you times a billion. Thank you for that email. I applaud you for prioritizing your mental health and deleting Instagram because of all the problematic fitness content that exists on there. I know all too well how damaging this stuff can be. I actually deleted my Instagram for a year when I was getting serious about my recovery for the exact same reason. I just couldn't handle all the mixed messages that I was receiving and seeing fitness people constantly posting their workouts and their meals and their selfies with the hashtag no days off, hashtag goals, hashtag fitness life. It was so overwhelming to me that I just deleted it one day and initially I thought I would never use it again. Um, But eventually I got to a place where I could engage on Instagram and grow a following because that is important as an entertainer, unfortunately. Um, But taking that break can be so helpful because you get to just focus on yourself and your recovery. So I really commend you for doing that and for focusing on getting better. Girl, need to kick off your shoes. Gotta take a deep breath. Time to focus on you. Keep going. Keep fighting the good fight. I promise you that if you do your best to drown out the noise and ignore what everyone else is doing and continue to focus on making peace with your own body. There's so much happiness waiting for you on the other side. I promise you. Um, While I'm on the topic of fitness influencers, I have to say that I'm so fucking sick of fitness people appropriating body positivity and using body positive and health at every size hashtags and terminology to hook people because I see that all the time and it's so ass backwards to me. Don't be fooled by these types of accounts that make it seem like wellness and appreciating all bodies can go hand in hand with militant exercise and dieting. The Health at Every Size movement was created to give larger bodies a space where they could feel accepted and free to be themselves. So it's just a shame to see diet culture get mixed up in that. Just like it saddens me to see diet companies try to incorporate anti-diet messaging into selling their diets. I'll say it one more time. You cannot endorse Health at Every Size and endorse dieting at the same time. The two are entirely opposite, and any program that tells you that it's just a lifestyle change or a healthy living program is lying to you, and they're trying to profit off of the fact that health at every size and body positivity are gaining more traction, which is a good thing, but it means we need to move away from diet culture. The two cannot coexist, at least not in my brain. Back to this email, though, I actually teared up when I was reading it because I struggle with a lot of self-doubt and self-loathing. It's something I've been working on for so long, and I'm much better at making decisions, especially when it comes to work without second-guessing myself. But sometimes I feel so small, and I get caught up in this imposter syndrome way of thinking. And I often ask myself, why do you think you're so special? What makes you think that people want to hear what you have to say? And so when I hear from you guys, from the listeners who like what I put out and are getting something out of it, it's so validating for me. And it really makes me feel like I can make a difference. 
And on that note, I wanted to share what I've been going through lately and hopefully some of you will connect to it. I have been ravenous lately. I have had a pretty big appetite compared to how I normally am. And I had to sit down yesterday and actually I laid down. Lay, lied, lay. I still get that confused. And it's crazy because I I was an English major. (laughs) Um, I laid down and I thought about why I might be experiencing this extreme hunger. Um, And I've always said that your appetite varies from day to day and you can't expect to eat the same amount every single day. Um, So I don't really keep that close tabs on it. But this wasn't really physical hunger that I've been feeling. It's more emotional hunger. Um, I felt very unmotivated lately and very out of sorts. And when I'm feeling that way, I will often turn to food as a distraction. And maybe some of you can relate to this. Um, I know that about myself, that I self-soothe with food. I also don't think there's anything wrong with doing that sometimes. But It doesn't actually make me feel better. It only temporarily eases the anxiety. And so I need to address what's really going on. And what I realized is that I have been anxious because I feel that I lack direction. I feel like I'm working really hard trying to get this podcast off the ground, but I don't always feel confident that people want to hear my voice or even care about what I'm saying. Also, I feel like I'm stuck in a city during a brutally hot summer and I don't have a lot of opportunities to let loose because everything's closed and everyone's afraid, including myself, that there's going to be a second wave of COVID-19 cases um, in New York City. Right now we're doing very well, but there's still that possibility that one single person from Texas will fly in and neglect to self-quarantine and then boom, second wave. And then on top of this, I'm between living spaces in a way right now. I moved in with my boyfriend at the beginning of the quar and I still have my place that I haven't been back to in months. And now we're starting to look for a new place together, which is stressful And I feel caught and like I'm waiting to feel settled. So I just feel a lot of stress about my future and the uncertainty that comes along with that. All of these things, by the way, are trivial compared to what other people are going through. And I recognize that some people have lost people close to them or are high risk themselves and are living half a life staying inside all times and... Uh, staying inside till there's a vaccine and, and what have you. I have friends who are dealing with all those things. So that definitely puts things into perspective for me. But I still can't help feeling anxious myself. And it affects my mood, which in turn affects my appetite. So that's currently something that I'm dealing with. And just to be clear, I'm not limiting my food. Not now, not ever. If I want to eat, I eat, but I do take notice when my appetite is much higher than normal and I try to assess what's going on because if you don't observe it, it's less likely that you can solve it. So I wanted to be transparent about that and share where I'm at in my intuitive eating journey because 
these things still come up even years into the process. And I want to show you that it's totally normal to have those feelings. I was having a conversation with my boyfriend last night and it was in relation to something that was posted on the Facebook group. By the way, shit is popping off in the Facebook group. If you want to get in on the fun, just search RIP dieters and you can request to be added. Um, But he read something in the group written by a guy and Male body image is a whole topic that I want to cover in the near future. I'm scheduled to have a male guest on next week, so stay tuned for that. But just to give you a little context, my boyfriend is a slim gym of a man, and he's always been that way. In fact, I'm pretty sure everyone in his family is very slim naturally, so they were never brought up to feel like they needed to diet or watch what they eat, but... At a certain point, he was tired of being skinny. I think for men, they really want to be strong and muscular. That's kind of the male ideal body that it's depicted in the media. Um, So he started lifting weights and eating a lot of protein so he could build muscle, which he did. So he was asking me about having fitness goals and do I think it's okay to eat in accordance to certain fitness goals, aka eating protein to gain muscle and and what have you. And here's what I told him. I said, you need to recognize that you don't have any trauma when it comes to food and body. So do I think that you can incorporate certain foods in your diet and exercise in a healthy, balanced way? Yes. But... For someone who was raised in a dieting household, who was taught to hate their body and who connects their entire self-worth to the way their body looks, I don't think that person can count macros to achieve certain fitness goals in a healthy, sustainable way. And I said, you underestimate the fact that the separation that you have between your body and your self-esteem comes very naturally to you. And many others were not so fortunate, myself included. So they need to start from square one and heal their relationship with food before even attempting certain health and fitness goals. For chronic dieters and people who've been living in fear of food for so long, it can be a very slippery slope to try to maintain food rules, or macro counting of any kind until they make peace with food. You're already at peace with food. You're at peace with your body. And that's a wonderful thing. But that's why I don't think you should advise anyone else on how to approach their own eating. Because they may have traumatic experiences with food and their body that you were very fortunate not to have experienced. I know that for me... If I give myself an inch, I end up taking a mile. If I tell myself I'm going to eat protein at every meal because I want to build muscle and protein's good for you, then I know that some time would pass and I would find myself worrying about the protein. I would worry if I had a meal one day that didn't have much protein or I would worry that I'm getting too much of it or not enough of it and I would become 
disconnected to my body and what it actually needs. And that's because of my history dealing with this stuff and having to come to the decision to choose my own happiness and to throw food rules in the garbage, essentially. So that's why I always say, try not to comment on other people's bodies. Try to be sensitive because you don't know what other people are going through. And like I said, I still have really difficult times. And sometimes it's not even related to the way that I feel about my body. But that's just how it manifests, which is why I'm telling you, if you're having stressful situations surrounding food, surrounding how much you're eating, um, or the way your body looks, it can be really helpful just to have that moment of self-reflection. What am I actually stressed out about? What's making me anxious? And then you can come up with a game plan to address those issues without involving food. Because food is only a temporary band-aid. It's not a long-term solution. And it's really important to remember that. And that's pretty much all I wanted to share with you today. I don't have uh, a TV show or anything that I wanted to comment on. But I'm going to be back next week. Like I said, I'm going to have a male guest. So we're going to talk about male body image. And this guest also happens to be gay. So we're going to talk about body image in the gay community and how that has affected his experience, as well as a lot of other stuff. I'm super psyched. But my guest today is a comedian here in New York City. She's also the host of the podcast, I'm Hot, Right?, which is possibly the best name I've ever heard for a podcast, next to RIP Diets, of course. Her name's Jade Marcotte. We talk about living as a self-proclaimed small fat or on the lower end of plus size and the experience of being a black woman and how it can often mean being accepted having a larger body, but at the same time being sexualized because of it. This was a really fun and interesting conversation. Jade is super sparkly. I would highly recommend you check out her podcast. She talks a lot about body image as well. Um, so let's get right into it. You guys, I'm so excited for today's guest. She is a hilarious comedian and she's the host of a podcast called I'm fuck. She's the host of a podcast called I'm Hot Right. I almost said you're hot right, which would have been a fuck up. Jade Marcotte, how you doing? Oh my God, I'm so good. You were so close to pronouncing it correctly, so that's good too. <laughs> oh my God, how do you pronounce it correctly? Oh no, no, the podcast name, not my name. You you got my oh, name 100%. I nailed it, right? <laughs> nailed it. I thought so because it's very French. It, yes, it is a very popular name in Canada um, okay. and my family is French Canadian, so it makes sense. Oh, okay. Are you from Canada? Mm-mm. I'm from Vermont, so you're repping a Ben and Jerry's tea. Very Vermont. Yes, of you. I am. <laughs> oh, ben and Jerry's. Do, do you have? Did you ever go to the Ben and Jerry's um, factory? Yes, I've been a few times, but I've never. This is really weird. I've never eaten ice cream, so I would just. What <laughs> you're staring at me like I'm insane. So I hate anything sweet. I hate sweet things. Really? Yeah, I always have. I love sweet things. Okay. <laughs> We're like opposite people. I, I could eat like cereal, like breakfast cereal and ice cream and like cookies and milk like all day. 
no can't can't stomach it at all so i've been to the ben and jerry's um factory like a few times but it was always a very sad experience for me because like all the kids were like oh this flavor this flavor this is so exciting and i would be like where's the caviar i need so <laughs> like that was my thing as a kid was caviar so yeah. caviar you fancy bitch <laughs> oh my gosh Great I, don't, bitch. I don't think i've ever had caviar what Actually, mm. that's a lie. The, I've had fish eggs like on sushi, yes. but I've never just had like a like a little ramekin of caviar served to me. I feel like that's reserved for rich people. I guess. And I mean, that's just not the circle that I roll in. I guess that was my lunchtime snack when I was a kid. So I was no very, way. It's yeah, very odd. <laughs> wow. So no chocolate, no desserts, no sweets. Like, what do you have on your birthday? Um, when I was a kid, it was pizza with candles in it. Um, (laughs) now as an adult, I don't know. I don't like, that's not something I think about, but uh. yeah. (laughs) Oh my gosh. All right. Well, when's your birthday? January 20th. All right. January 20th. I will, I will find a way to deliver you a savory cake. (laughs) Thanks. Just so you know, I remembered this conversation. So welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you. I asked Jade to be on this show because we recorded my other podcast, Hot Mess, a short while back. And a little before you made some kind of comment about I'm chubby. And it was a very like passing comment. But my co-host was kind of like, oh, you're not chubby. And I remember you saying like, no, it's fine. I'm chubby and I'm okay with it. And I thought to myself, self, I said, I need to have Jade on my other podcast note that for later. And I just wanted to talk about that with you. I'm so curious. What is your history with body image? What was your relationship to your body growing up? Oh my God. So we only have half an hour, but I could talk about this for like seven hours. Growing up. So I grew up in a very small town in Vermont. So white, of course. Um, I was always very thin growing up, but I was also extremely curvy so I was like 10 years old very thin but like triple deep tits you know giant ass that must have been was that hard because I mean I guess in Vermont it might be different but in New York if you were walking around in middle school with triple d tits you would get stared at and hollered at constantly well I went to a Catholic school so I was just like shamed by nuns all the time it wasn't so much of a you know, sexualized by other kids. But there was this one nun, she would be like, everyone wants to fuck you. And I'd be like, who? Who's thinking about fucking me? I don't even know what that is. Oh my God. (laughs) Horrible. She would always think I was like horny. And I would be like, I don't even know what horny means. I'm not wet because I'm, you know, it's dry inside. I don't know what that means. But anyway. Yeah. So I was super curvy and thin growing up you know um uh, over the years I stopped playing sports um and just like in general I gained well I was on a mood stabilizer they thought um I had bipolar it was just depression though uh called (laughs) lithium and lithium caused me to gain I think close to 100 pounds in two months wow Lithium is one of the intense ones I've heard. Oh, it like it fucked my mood up so much. I was only like 14, 15. I gained 
60 to 80 pounds, maybe not quite 100 in like two months, which is a lot of weight to gain, especially because I hadn't changed anything about like my diet or lifestyle. Um, And then I guess I've just been kind of like up and down since then. I've lost the weight a little bit. I've gained the weight back a little bit. Always been curvy, though. Always plan to stay that way. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I think I'm pretty okay with how I look. There are definitely times that I'm like sad about it, but you know, who isn't? (laughs) Do you or do you still take antidepressants? No, no. I mean, like I probably should be because actually today before this podcast, I was thinking like, oh, I was going to talk about how busy I've been, but I'm like, I haven't really been busy. Just depression takes up a lot of fucking time. It really does. Yeah. (laughs) And bandwidth in your brain. Oh my God. So much time. But no, I'm not on any antidepressants because I've tried a lot. Um, They've always had really bad side effects for me, unfortunately. Uh, And I'm just like, the last one I was on just like made me excessively sweat but only in this like specific circle on my forehead. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's like your third eye (laughs) of just like sweat. And I remember like telling some people about it. They're like, that's not that bad. And I'm like, but that means like, if it's so bad, you can't wear makeup or else you look like you're crying out of the center of your forehead. No, it's horrible. I'm (laughs) I'm a, I'm a fabulous bitch. I have to wear foundation. Like that's right. You need to keep it matte. Yes. It needs to be matte. Uh, horrible. So no, not an antidepressants, but should be. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I take an SSRI right now for anxiety. I've never struggled with like a chronic depression or anything like that. Only depression like caused by the anxiety, if that makes sense. But I was very lucky. I didn't really learn until I started talking to people that it usually takes a few different medications to really find one that you like because they are so severe and they do have like all these different side effects that you can't account for. But for mine, it's just like a low dose and I'm able to take it every day and I don't really feel altered. But I know that's not the case for so many people. I wish like I wish there was more time and attention paid to like finding people a good fit for them. I know. I mean, and it's only the only way to do it is through trial and error. There's no like, this is definitely going to work for you. We figured out your chemistry. Like you have to try. And some people, you know, I've talked to a lot of people. They're like, yeah, my antidepressant helped me. And I'm like, I've literally tried probably 15 over the years and they've all like fucked me. They've all been terrible, but you know, they like maybe one day I'll try again, but for now I'm happy not being sweaty. So <laughs> that's great. And it is August. So <laughs> understandable. Bad time. To I want to, I want to go back uh, a little bit because you said that sometimes your, your weight can make you sad. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. Um, there's just like some days that, I think I'm pretty okay with how I look. Overall, I, I'm i pretty happy with how I look. I'm curvy. Uh, I really love that about myself. I can always find something that I appreciate about myself. But the thing about being a small fat, and I will say small fat because I'm still- I'm You're plus- very petite, right? No, I am plus size. Well, petite as in short. 
As in short, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. I guess that's like a nice way to say short, isn't it? (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I mean, I'm like five, four, five, three and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty petite. Sure, yeah, I'm in short. My, in my standard, I'm five foot eight and... Yeah. Oh, okay, then yeah. Yeah, I'm, yeah. A, I'm a... If I'm looking down at you, I consider you petite, I guess. Oh, for sure. But I'm a, I meant small fat as in I'm plus size, but I'm still able to go shopping at some places if they sell mm-hmm. like an extra large, that type of thing, I can usually fit into it. But... I think that's the thing that depresses me the most is I'm such a fashion hound. Uh, I like to look good. I like to buy things. I like to try different things. And there's so little options, especially ethical fashion. Being um, a plus size woman and affordable that don't have wild fucking stupid patterns on them. Uh, (laughs) So it it gets like sad for me when I'm trying to go out and I just I can't find anything that looks good on me that flatters me. But that's and you know, there there are parts about being a fat woman that are hard. You know, I do have a little bit of a belly. I'm not blessed being quote unquote blessed and that's all kind of just based on society with being a fat woman who has no belly, but right. Yeah. I, I, people can actually achieve that. Uh, and it's funny because, you know, we consider ourselves to be way more inclusive and way more body positive now, but, and, and we've talked about this before on, on the podcast, but it's still within the confines of a very particular body type. Like, for me, I always know, and a little bit about my history, I used to be much heavier than I am now. Um, and I was always flat chested, no matter how large I was, small I was, I never had big jugs. And (laughs) I've talked about this on the podcast, but like the plus size models that you see represented, they all have massive jugs and like nice small waists and big hips. And not everybody can achieve that. Not everybody looks like that. So it's really like a problem with the representation that, that we have for plus size women. Yeah, no, I, you're totally right. There are a few things with that. I think being more accepting of all body types is important. You know, um, I think there's like that famous, like Tina Fey quote about in her book, Bossy Pants, where she's talking about, how it's harder for women now because they have to fit into like that body type of like having the large hips, the large butt. And in addition of being thin, um, being a woman of color, having those large hips, having that large butt, having those curves were never accepted. So it is exciting that those are being accepted too, but it's become this really dangerous thing where it's like you have to have it all. You have to have the huge hips. And that tiny, tiny, tiny stomach, um, tiny arms, like it's just, it's nearly impossible without plastic surgery to get those. Yeah, tiny- or Facetune. Yeah, both. I mean, you know, like- because you see it represented on Instagram. Like, I think that's why this is so widespread. Yeah. And what we don't realize is that a lot of celebrities are heavily editing their pictures to make their waist look smaller and their hips look bigger. And it's it's kind of like 
even if they if, even if we don't photoshop even if we do have models that are size inclusive or whatever people can still edit their own photos and kind of make themselves look however they want and it yeah. distorts like the the popular image but as a woman of color growing up in a predominantly white town right because you grew up around mostly white people you went to school with white kids mostly well no all white all white I didn't really my family's white I'm adopted so I didn't really meet another person of color until like later in life besides my braider um yeah I mean just I will say I've been almost every body size but I think it is easier as a woman of color, specifically as a black woman, and I have read studies about this, being a little bit larger is more accepted on your body. Like yeah. being up to like a size 10, I saw in a study, is like seen as being not large. But I would see white women who were like a size four and they'd be like, or six, and they'd be called like fat. And it's like, Okay, that would never happen to me, which is a really interesting dynamic. But you know, of course, it is always harder for uh, black women. So it's not like I'm sitting here being like, I get to be fat and white women can't. But (laughs) right. That's yeah, that's not a trade off that most people would take, I think. No, no, for sure not. It's just <laughs> But that- I guess what I'm what I'm saying is, do you think that you had trouble being accepted at your size because you were not around other people of color? Like do you think that not being around other people of color, do you think it impacted you in any particular way? So, acceptance is a I I I'm not sure how to really look at that because so much of my experience was not just body focused you know Mm -hmm. what I mean it's like the hair it's just the skin color in general it's really hard to like separate separate that from like my specific body size I will say that I was always very thin growing up so it's not that I had a lot of trouble at the time fitting in for that it was just more how curvy I was um but I did have like a couple of like experiences that I was thinking of before coming on the podcast where I was shopping for like my prom dress and I was what I consider thin at a size eight shopping for my Mm -hmm. prom dress with huge G size tits and (laughs) huge. Um, And I remember getting fitted for my prom dress and this lady was, you know, I could just tell she was just aggressively racist, you know, asking if I could afford the dress before I put it on, just like oh wow, looking me up and down, making sure I wasn't stealing anything. And it was one of those like lace back dresses and she was putting it on, uh, helping me into it. And she was like, well, at least you have a very tiny waist. You know, that's the only thing she said to me, you know, about this, like, and I looked stunning, but you know, I went home. I'm sure you did. I went home and cried, you know, but I think being curvy is just so sexualized in any instance, but like being curvy as a black woman is like sexualized, fetishized, you know, racialized. It's, it's a strange experience. Yeah. I, I mean. I had a similar, not at all similar to that prom dress experience because nobody would have ever treated me differently, of course. But I 
my mom worked at an evening gown store. So I got my prom dress from the evening gown store that my mom worked at at the time. And um, I got, I had to order like a plus size dress. I think I ordered a size 16. I had to get the sides taken out. And I remember the seamstress was ripping down the side. She was like, okay, I'm going to let it out here. Um, And she was taking my measurements to figure out how much she needed to let it out. And I remember her saying to me, she's like, okay, well, these are your measurements. And she said it in like a very stern voice. So I said to her, I was like, is that bad? Oh, no. Because I was like a very innocent, you know, 17-year-old or whatever. I was like, what is that bad? And she's like, um, (laughs) it's, um, dot, 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 proportionate. Well, you know, and it's like so fucked up. And like that, I'm assuming she was older than you, of course, to be working at that store. Yeah, in her 60s probably. Yeah, just like older generations are so fat phobic. And it's just like so ingrained in them that, you know, I've had several conversations with my father because he's just so fucking fat phobic where I would be like, he would be terrified that I would be fat. And now I am. So thanks, dad. And um, (laughs) we would have these conversations and I would just explain to him. I'm like, you know, where is this coming from? And he was like, fear of your for your health. And I would be like, mm, but I can run, you know, I'm I'm pretty athletic still, you know, and I just wish she wouldn't focus on how my body looks. And I'm a sick fuck. So I would always be like, are you trying to fuck me, dad? Like, I don't get <laughs> I don't get why you, you want to say that to him. Oh, I've said that to him many times. Like, are you trying to fuck That's me? hilarious. Like, why do you want me to look hot for you? I don't like what you want. Like, I just it's weird. I don't get There it. is a weird thing with dads and daughters. I've noticed it so much when I was growing up and going to friends' houses and like seeing the way that their dad would like comment on things they were eating and comment on the way that they looked. And I, I would think the same. Th- I mean, I did not articulate it that way, but I would think <laughs> the same way. Like, why do they care so much what their daughters look like? It, it's like they're sexualizing them. I mean, why else would they care? I mean, yeah, I, I think like the bigger issue is they're worried that there will be men around that are going to treat them like shit based on how they looked because when they were growing up or currently they've been treating people like shit based on their body types. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, it's, it's much, it's much funnier for me to, Threaten my dad or tell yeah, him. Oh yeah, to no, totally, <laughs> totally. No, but that's actually very insightful. That might have something to do with it. Like they, they know that they themselves judge women who are above a certain size, so they don't want their child to be judged. Rather than addressing the actual issue, which is why are we judging fat people for being fat? And it's funny the thing that you said about um, him always bringing it back to health is such a reductive thing that like people will bring up like, oh, but it's not healthy to be fat, which is you cannot make that statement just like you cannot make the statement that it is not healthy for someone to be an albino. You know what I mean? Like some people are and some there are varying degrees of different things and being above a certain size does not mean that you are not healthy. You know, and There's just so much confusion around 
weight and what that means and how healthy and how not healthy it is. But the biggest problem with that is that doctors are so fucking fat phobic in general that I don't know. I've been, you know, I, at one point in my life, I wanted to get a breast reduction and I went into a plastic surgeon and I said like, oh, I want to get a breast reduction. And they're like, okay, your first step is to lose 50 pounds. And I was like, dude, 50. Yeah, they were like, lose 50 pounds um, as quickly as possible. And so I said, okay, well, you're trying to give me an eating disorder, first of all. Second of all, like, I was like, I will supply you pictures of me at 10 years old with triple D tits, size zero, banging body. (laughs) I'll give you those childhood (laughs) pictures if you want them. But, you know, it's just that issue of like, I've just always had big boobs. And I'm like, losing weight is not going to help that. Just like for you, gaining weight did not have, didn't give you big tits. And right. I've had that problem so many times going to the doctors. I've been to certain doctors where I would said like, hi, I'm depressed. Is there, do you have any suggestions of medication? What do you think I should do? And they would always go to lose weight. And it's like, uh, okay. Uh, well, I'm sure it would make me feel better because people would treat me better. But, you know, the thing about depression, it's it doesn't, you know, walking and working out, those types of things, it, it's not easy when you're depressed, of course, you know, and that's nece- not necessarily going to make you lose weight or fix it. So doctors need to fucking do a better job. They're pieces of shit. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, we have a private Facebook group for this podcast and somebody wrote into it the other day who's studying to be a doctor. And it was basically her whole post was about how fat phobic the uh, medical field is and how they're still teaching very, very antiquated fat phobic thinking to like current medical students. Right. Um, and it re- that really is a shame. I know so many people who've had similar experiences to that. And it's it fucking sucks because if you were a less smart person, if you were a less educated person, you might think, oh, okay, well, this doctor has a degree and told me this, so it must be true. You know what I mean? But it's great that you had the awareness to take what that doctor said with a grain of salt. You know, and the thing is, like, I've been every sort of weight. Um, well, not every sort of, sort of weight. I'm still considered a small fat is what I like to call myself. I'm sure small fat has been used before. No, it has. It certainly has. It's a term, I think, to describe people who are plus size, but just barely plus, meaning that I can buy clothes at most places online, but probably not in stores because of straight sizes. I talked to um, a fat activist a little while ago, and a lot of the conversation was about how, just as you said, shopping sustainably is virtually impossible if you're plus size. Of course. Um, And anybody knows that who's been to a vintage store in Brooklyn with like the tiny little doll clothes and the paisley dresses. You know what I mean? Yes. Even I cannot fit into those, and I wear straight sizes. And it's very, very hard to shop vintage. It's very hard to shop sustainably. I buy men's clothes a lot. So just to put that in perspective, like somebody 
who does not even wear plus sizes is still too large for to shop sustainably. Brands need to do better. They need to expand the amount of sizing that they offer, the amount of things that they curate for people, because we all know that it's better to shop sustainably. But I think people do forget thin people primarily forget that it is not so easy for most of the population to do that. Aside from the fact that it is expensive, a lot of people can't afford it, but. Yeah, no, it is expensive. Yeah, I was talking to the owner of a bra store called The Rag Shack in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you're familiar, but. No, I'm not. They have a huge size range. Um, You know, I'm a 36J cup at this point, which who? Damn, oh my god! Over the over the span of this recording, your boobs keep getting bigger. First, it was um, well because I've gained so much weight. You know, they're fucking. Yeah, they're I'm huge. sure it's hard to like keep tabs on what they are. <laughs> oh, you know what? You know, I, actually, I'll let you finish, but then I have a follow up question. Oh, okay, okay. Um, so just finding that size is nearly impossible because I'm not opposed to like buying like a used bra if it is well made um they're fucking they're so expensive they're like yeah I don't know when I buy a new bra sometimes they're like 150 dollars at this oh, yeah. point but um sorry I'm so distracted I'm curious what question you're gonna ask <laughs> <laughs> what is it? no tell me tell me about the bra lady Oh, we were just having like a long conversation about how difficult it is to find larger sizing and just size ranges in general for people with small bands, large cups, um, with, you know, large bands, small cups, which is something yeah, basically that- anything that's not like a 34 ABC in D and double D pretty easy yeah. to find as well. Um, anything outside of the norm. And I don't know why this is such like a US based thing, because I do most of my shopping from like the UK at this point, not just for um, bras, but like for plus size clothing as well. Why the fuck is the US so like fat phobic and so against selling large size ranges? And don't they know that that's hurting their fucking business? I don't get it. I know. Well, that's what's so nuts about it to me is you would actually make more money if you offered sizes that people could buy. And I've heard the excuse because I I read a fair amount about it. It's something that really interests me is like the evolution of the fashion industry and how they just like need to fucking catch up to where we are. But I've heard it blamed on like the excess fabric that would need to be used, which is so insane to me because you have rolls of fat like anybody who knows anything about the way that clothes are produced you buy wholesale so you buy rolls and rolls of fabric plus you would be selling more of it if you offered more sizes that's so whenever I hear that I'm just like oh god like you expect us to believe this bullshit yeah no it honestly makes zero sense why the U.S. is still this way. I mean, I think a lot of places are still, you know, that way. But the U.S. has one of the worst size ranges of Is that any- true? I don't I don't buy a lot of things from international retailers or anything. At least so for I don't bras. Know. I don't know why the U.S. is this way, but it sucks. Interesting. Well, what I was going to ask you was um, 
you said that you were interested in getting a breast reduction. Did you decide that's something that you weren't into or are you still thinking about that? Well, at the time, they were like, lose 50 pounds before we will consider you and have it covered by insurance or else it will be about, I think it was like $25,000 in Vermont for a breast reduction. And I remember like the surgeon kind of chuckling. She's like, isn't it funny that it costs more to get your breasts reduced for a medical issue than to get fun implants? And I was like, "Uh, hilarious. I don't. Yes. So funny. (laughs) So funny. Jessica. I don't remember her name. But you know, (laughs) that. uh, So no, I didn't end up going through it. I lost a little bit of weight just to try and get it covered. I had to go to physical therapy for six fucking months, twice a week to try and get it covered. But at the end of it, I, I don't know. I'm pretty content with how I look. It's just one of those things where um, being over-sexualized gets very tiring. You know, I would love to not be groped in public all the time. People are just always so shocked when I talk about being groped. I'm like, I get groped on a weekly basis. Like, I've really, yeah, yeah, all the time in public. I would think that the, I would think the quar would have improved that situation. Well, to be fair, (laughs) no public transportation. I don't go outside much at this point. I'm still pretty like distance. Uh, or Ubering. So mm-hmm. uh, Uber driver has not groped me lately, thank God. Um, but has an Uber driver groped you in the past? Yes. I've been no way. I've been groped twice by Uber drivers. It's real <gasps> fucked. It's how real do they fucked. even reach back there? Well, small cars exist. Uh long arms also exist, and my uh-huh. boots do stick out quite far. So I think the reach wow. probably have to be a few feet. Um, oh my god, you must feel so violated when that happens. I mean, I've been groped so many times in my life that uh I've started to kind of feel a little bit sexual and not sexual about myself. There was mm-hmm. a long time that I would be like me and my breasts, they're so like I it's empowering and it's sexual. Um, but at this point in my life, like when I'm with a person intimately, it's hard for me to view them sexually. I'm just like, they've been groped so many fucking times. I just, just respect me and don't touch them. But really? Yeah. Yeah. It's gotten to that point. I mean, it's, I I can't even tell you the amount of times they've been groped in my life. Oh my gosh. I'm so sorry. Yeah. It sucks. I, there have only been. And I'm saying this like it's a blessing, but in New York City, it kind of is. There's only been like three, like maybe two or three times that I've been assaulted in public. That's that's nice. Wait, how long have yeah. you been in New York? Oh, uh, my whole life. Oh, you're from New York. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. But, so that's, that's yeah. real nice. Only three yeah. times? Yeah. Ooh. But, you know, one time I was wearing a winter coat Mm. and I was like how to you and 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 they went like straight for my crotch and it was the craziest thing it was the craziest thing ever because I didn't see who it was I was looking around I didn't see who it was it was a packed train and I see like out of the corner of my eye there's a man very short with a hood on like a hood so far over his head that you couldn't see his face at all. 
So I'm like, oh, it's got to be that guy because like everybody else, because I'm frantically looking around and everyone else is looking at me like, why the fuck are you looking at me? You know what I mean? So I'm like, oh, it must be that guy. Like he wears his hood on the train to like go undercover and assault women or something. I don't know. So I point at this guy and I'm like, you. And then at that very instant, the train stops. It pulls into the station. The doors open. He runs out, starts running down the platform. I'm trying to get through to like, I don't know. I guess chase after him. I don't even know. I don't know what the plan was. The adrenaline was pumping so much. Yes, exactly. But like, if I would have accomplished that, there's no way I would have been able to take this guy, even if he was way smaller than me. But so the doors close on me, like before I get the opportunity to leave, they close on me. And then I just have to turn around and look at everybody as they realize what just happened and all think I am so insane because nobody saw what happened. But yeah, it's a really like, at least that experience was really upsetting and really like there have been a few moments when I've stopped and thought like wow people just seriously don't respect women no and no I had um someone I was also in a winter jacket and do not shame me for this my thing and everyone in New York always like gets pissed when I say this my thing is sleeping on trains I love sleeping on a train um uh, you know, I know because you're shaming me. Anyway, I'm not. I don't have to explain <laughs> myself to you. No, was, no, you don't. We've all fallen asleep on a train. This was I, my. I would just be concerned if you were like scheduling your naps to when you were on oh, the train. No, no, no. I'm not doing it on purpose. But this was like a 15 hour shift. I was in a winter jacket. It was zipped up to just my eyes were revealed. Just to tell uh-huh. you how not sexy this giant puffer from Vermont was. I know. Yeah. And I fell asleep on a nearly empty J train at two o'clock in the morning. And I woke up to hear someone yelling, He's jerking off on you. And I look up and there's this guy. He must have been fucking huge. I'm pretty short as we've established but I always think I'm about as tall as other people so he must have been at least six five was standing over me just like jerking off with the weirdest dick I've ever seen it was like no you you know like watercolor paintings how like the color like spreads it was speckled like that weird ass colors um just like jerking off on me on like real close to my face I like instinctively like threw my fucking phone because I was just so like jolted I was just like yeah what the fuck and then I ran this is my first time doing it I've always been scared but I ran um to another train car and this woman was like walking get trying to get into that car and I just was like so like startled I was like dick man there's a man with a dick don't go <laughs> and she just like watercolor (laughs) you know I just was like yelling at her and then I realized I was kind of like posturing at her being like dick please (laughs) just like (laughs) like, what the fuck and so she tried to get away from me then he came into that train car still jerking off laughing maniacally craziest laugh I've ever heard so uh yeah I felt 
you know, the good thing about it is afterwards she kind of like looked at me like I was trying to save her. So I felt good. But <laughs> yeah, vindicated. <laughs> yeah. Cause she totally thought I was like an insane person. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. I'm like watching it play out in my mind. She thought you were the crazy one. And the only way that she, the only way that you could have been vindicated in that situation is for the guy with the dick to come into the car. Yes. Did he, did you get off the train or did he get off the train? Like, how did it end? So we were at the way far end. Um, and so I just like ran you know, to the other end. And then I just, I think I stayed on the train. But you wow, know, what a champ. But like, here's the thing. It was like 2 a.m. in the J train. If I would have gotten off, what if he would have gotten off? Then I'm stuck at a station by myself in the yeah, middle. for a half an hour. Yeah, for a half an hour in the quote unquote middle of nowhere. It's not the middle of nowhere, but there's no one out, you know? Yeah. So I was just like, might as well stay at this on this train car with people who might call the police, then right. get off. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't make any sense. Yeah. You assessed your risk in that situation. Plus I wanted to go to bed. That's all I wanted. <laughs> well, obviously you were <laughs> passed out on the train. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> wow. That is truly a wild story. I hope that was the worst assault yeah. experience. Um, Yes, yes. Worst assault experience in New York for sure. I haven't been like physically assaulted yet. Knock on wood. Um, yeah. So yeah, <laughs> happy about that. That's great. That's good to hear. Jeez, you just threw me for a fucking loop with that, <laughs> that story. I'm just like, there was a guy who grabbed my crotch. Well, that's it's horrible bad. too. It's still bad. That's no, horrible it's horrible too. too. Yeah, people need to be aware of it because the it's when it happens, it usually happens on crowded trains because the more people there are, the fewer people you can pinpoint, you know, yes. that's the guy. People need to be looking out for other people clearly, but Jade, thank you so much for coming on the show. We actually have to wrap up. <laughs> I feel like we could have talked about this for another hour and a half. We could have. But thank you so much for having me. Where can people find you and follow you and consume you? Yeah, of course. So as you were saying, I have a podcast called I'm Hot Right. Um, it's available wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow it on Instagram at I'm Hot Right Pod. Um, my personal Instagram is OK Jade Marcotte. Beautiful. Thank you again. Thank you. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that convo with Jade Marcotte. We got into some uh, horrifying sexual assault stories toward the end of that. But I think it is very interesting to hear that perspective of being a black woman and having your body sexualized, especially when you're as curvy as she is, because that's something that I personally do not experience. Uh, not that I've never been sexualized, but definitely not to the same degree. I can walk down the street and um, and I can hide pretty easily, but it's a little bit harder when you have triple J tits or whatever <laughs> their tit sizes. It kept inflating over the span of the conversation, but she is absolutely fabulous. I would give her a follow. She's at OK Jade Marcotte. 
And I am actually going to be on her podcast, I'm Hot Right, in the near future. So I'll give you guys an update on that when that happens. And yeah, have a fabulous week. Follow me on Instagram. I'm Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N. We have fun on there. Please slide into my DMs. Tell me what you think of the pod and any feedback that you have. And again, you can always write me an email as well at ripdiets at gmail.com. Continue to get the fucking word out there make it your Instagram story write iTunes reviews Uh, join the Facebook group it's called RIP dieters you can look it up and request to be added and you're in baby just don't say anything hateful and uh, just don't be an asshole basically and I will see you next week peace out